On today's episode, we'll be talking about books, books, and more books. Actually, why every man should have a library. For today's handshake, we want to discuss knowledge. Fits in with the episode on books nicely. I'm not talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit knowledge, you know, being able to understand divinely God's creation and our, our place within it. However, there is a connection there. As G.K. Chesterton stated that the pursuit of knowledge built within us is to better understand the world and our place within it. Men have a responsibility to grow in knowledge throughout life so that they can understand everything from the physical to the mental to metaphysical on a deeper level so that we can appreciate it more, so that we can grow in that uh, love of God's creation, and so that we can rightly view reality and our place within God's plan. So spend time, listen to the episode, learn to grow in knowledge. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about books, which is one of my favorite topics. But before we get there, let's talk about Patreon. We uh, value your support. In fact, we need your support. Producing high-quality content isn't free. It takes a lot of time, effort, and financial resources. But we want to keep producing these episodes for you. So if you feel called, please check us out at patreon.com slash catholicgentleman. See the different tiers we have there and consider supporting us at whatever financial level you can. We have some great rewards uh, set up on those tiers. So check that out. We'd like to thank the sponsor of this episode, Exodus 90. If you don't know who Exodus 90 is, we strongly encourage you to check them out. They are a ministry for men that provide a roadmap for spiritual um, and actually physical growth. Exodus 90 is all about asceticism, prayer, and brotherhood. Now, those three pillars really form the basis of the program, but it's 90 days of spiritual exercises, readings, uh, getting together with your brothers and your fraternity that you choose. Um, and it's difficult. I'm not going to lie. I've done it a few times. Uh, and it can be hard. It can be demanding. But we need a little bit uh, of asceticism in our lives today. The church doesn't ask very much of us these days. And that's okay. But sometimes we need a little bit of an extra spiritual shot in the arm. And that's what Exodus 90 can provide. So there's a science behind why Exodus 90 is developed the way it is, right? Those 90 days have a purpose. But another great thing about Exodus 90 is that they also offer different variations. They offer a Lenten program. They offer different challenges over the summer. So basically, they have something that's there to fit your needs. Again, asceticism, prayer, fraternity, and really that roadmap that men find so helpful. I know that I did when I went through it. So we strongly encourage you to check them out at exodus90.com slash Catholic Gentleman, or click on that link in the show notes. So great. So we both have personal love of books. I found myself, for me, it was actually post high school into college that I really started appreciating books. I was forced to read books in school, you know, and, <laughs> and for good reasons, but I didn't appreciate those reasons. And when I left high school and was in college, I knew I really had this desire for wisdom, right, to be the wise old man. And I was like, I got to start somewhere. So I got to start reading. And I found myself just collecting books. I called myself kind of like a, um, like I was, 
I was going and, and saving books from like half price bookshelves and yes, stuff like yes. that, you know. And uh, now was I reading them? Not necessarily, but I knew they were good books to have. And so I do read books and I love reading and it's it's definitely been a a great uh, staple of my life. It hasn't come easily for me. Uh, I was definitely, um, again, not conditioned that way through growing up. And so it's been definitely a learned experience. And I, I guess something that really triggers in my mind is, you know, for our listeners here who maybe don't read, you know, a few books a year or 20 or 30 or 40 books a year, you know, we have to set goals for ourselves. But we also don't find time to read. We really have to make time to read, but there's incredible value and worth uh, in doing that. Yes, absolutely. Well, I, my story is a little bit different than yours, but I grew up around books. My mom uh, loved to read, and she was a talk show host, and so she received uh, all kinds of books in the mail. So I was always like drowning in books. But she had these beautifully hand, like uh, custom-made bookshelves in mm. the in the living room of her home and they were always lined with you know all kinds of fascinating books um, that really just you know stoked my curiosity but then we also always go to the public library and I always loved the public library um, to me it was just like paradise you know just rows and rows of bookshelves with thousands of different books on every different topic I was a weird kid admittedly <laughs> but but uh, but it, but I really did love it and as I got older I just read on every topic I could find, you know, and all different um, areas of interest. And started kind of building my own library. Now, at the time, I was Protestant, um, and then I converted to Catholicism, so I got rid of all of my <laughs> Protestant books and had to start all over. But um, I, for the past um, 12 years of being Catholic, I've you know been slowly building my Catholic library, and I'm now, you know, I did rough estimate, a little over a thousand books yeah. in my library, and um, our living room has kind of been transformed into a library in our home. But but I've always just kind of had a love affair with books, and not some of that goes back to my personality. Yeah. Not everybody is the same as me, but for me personally, I just find books as uh, symbols of knowledge. Mm. You know, the collected wisdom of humanity. <clears throat> um, and I find that thrilling and exciting. Um, so I just I've always loved libraries, and I and I've really enjoyed building my own. Yeah, no, I, I love hearing that, and it is. It's fun because we both come at it from a different perspective, but we both understand the ultimate um, joy and the ultimate desire, and you know, even calling within a man's heart uh, for. Uh, collecting books and for owning books and building a library uh, to extent and and I, I will talk about the joys and the benefits and everything in a little bit but I think that it's important to start and talk a little bit about the history of libraries and of books right and so libraries go back until you know way antiquity you know uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of years and and we have you know groups of tablets and stuff like that but what I want to talk about is more the churches, right, we're the Catholic gentlemen here, uh, the church's history within books. Mm -hmm. And the church sure does have an incredible history. And it was, and it's not an overstatement to say that the church maintained and saved 
the writings of the philosophers um, before Christ, of the um, of the um, Old Testament, uh, of the early thinkers and Stoics and and things like that, that, that it was the church that maintained these these books on knowledge and understood. And remember, we didn't have printing presses, so not only did the church maintain them, but there were monks who devoted their entire lives to rewriting by hand books so that these books could be shared and these books and this knowledge could be could be spread and it was the church that was fighting against you know uh, Germanic tribes and uh, things so for instance during the fall of Rome in 367 or I can't remember the exact year is that somewhere around there and in, in the fall of Rome um, we had these these uh, um, barbarian tribes these you know in, in Germanic tribes and stuff like that they were just going through monasteries and stuff like that in different libraries and they were just destroying them they were setting them on fire ruining books that literally would take a year to hand write you know and, and just hundreds of them being destroyed and it was the church that was sending them to areas that were safe right so the church was sending these books these these knowledge and we're not talking about just Catholic books, right, or books that were written by Catholic saints and thinkers, talking about the 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 history of of mankind and the history of thought and knowledge in many of these situations, and was sharing that um, and and trying to save that because they understood the the pursuit of of knowledge and the importance of that within our our lives, and so we as men today in 2022 have this. Um, this responsibility, but also this um, sort of um, prestige, if you will, to to carry on uh, that tradition. Yeah, the church. yeah, yeah. Every monastery used to have a scriptorium, they would call mm. it, and certain monks were assigned there, just like some monks were assigned to the kitchen or yeah. you know the gardeners. Some were assigned to the scriptorium where they would painstakingly copy all these these ancient manuscripts, including the Bible and things like that. So yes, it really monasteries saved Western civilization from you know after the fall of Rome. All of that was preserved in in monasteries and things like that. And the fact that we can read, you know, the writings of Plato or Aristotle, you know, is is in large part due to the church's influence and to that preserving of Western culture. Um, but another uh, aspect I want to uh, emphasize too is. Just the love of of wisdom. We talk talk about philosophy. What does that mean? Well, the word philosophia, philosophia yeah. in Greek means the love of wisdom. And I think too, as as there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. You know, knowledge is just kind of filling your head with facts. Well, anyone can do that. You can just memorize things all day, and it can really have no influence on you. But wisdom is when you really integrate that knowledge into your soul. It's yeah. like it becomes part of you. And I think as men, we should really be striving for wisdom more even than knowledge because you can you can learn all kinds of things. There's been men who are very knowledgeable but yeah. also very unwise and very foolish and very sinful and corrupt and in many, sure. many different ways. So I think wisdom is, a, is what we should be striving for. But the the... That's what the church preserved was the wisdom of the ages, the wisdom of humanity um, and preserved it for future generations. And not only has the has these documents been preserved, but there's kind of a living conversation that takes place around them. Yeah. So, for example, Aristotle said what he said, right? And that was preserved. 
But then there's been great minds and philosophers debating and commentating and adding their own thoughts and like St. Thomas Aquinas, for example, you know, and, and he took that original wisdom and then said, well, let's synthesize that. Let's talk about what the church fathers have to say. Let's talk about what this philosopher over here has to say. And he uh, enhanced and embellished that conversation. And now that conversation is still continuing. There's still people now talking about Thomas Aquinas mm-hmm. and debating him. Mm-hmm. And the conversation continues. So as a man, when you start collecting these books, start imbibing this wisdom, it's kind of like you're joining this centuries-old conversation of great minds through history who have just kind of, again, in that passionate pursuit of wisdom and truth, have um, been you know, compiling this wisdom in books for, for centuries. So collecting that kind of enables you to kind of join the conversation too in your own small way. <clears throat> Amen. I love it. I think that's mm-hmm. absolutely great. So in the last um, 300 years or so, there's been this uh, tradition of uh, creating your own library at home. And there is, uh, you know, there's the wealthy class and the working class, and right, and so you had the wealthy nobles and everything that had just these beautiful library systems, mm-hmm. right? In in every single, you know, manner, if you will, you you you'd go in and there would have a, a room that was a huge room with, you know, f- Florida thirty foot ceilings, you know, of, yeah. of just books and and everything like that, and and they collected it, and it was, and oftentimes the place where gentlemen would go and have cigars and, you know, drink scotch or something like that um, for a nightcap. And, um, but the working man also was a collector of libraries. And I find like that's, that's what's often overlooked, right? Is that that w- the working class that couldn't afford thousands of volumes of books, and maybe throughout their whole lifetime they could afford 40 to 50 books, right? It was, they were incredibly, um, uh, thought out books that that these men were getting and and you can <clears throat> you can even all the way up until the 20s or 30s um, in the 1900s you can see um, images of of homes that uh, had like 50 books on the wall yes and I find that is what's so much more interesting is and and telling of a man's life is which books did he decide to collect and keep? knowing that the cost to get those books was of such a high value for him, but the worth in owning them and being able to come back to them was something that was worth the struggle and worth the, the difficulty in obtaining them, maintaining them, and um, and choosing the right ones for your collection. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, and I think uh, we are privileged in this day and age to have it easy access to books. I mean, most books are not uh, extraordinarily expensive That's these right. days. Um, but some of the great classics of literature were written for ordinary people. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't written for the nobility or things like that. For example, uh, Les Miserables. Okay. Yeah. Huge book. I mean, it's it's over a thousand pages yeah. um, in the unabridged editions. Yeah. And I've read it. It's an amazing book, very long, <laughs> incredible character development. Right. But um, that was serialized originally. That's you right. Know? And, and that's how they used to publish books. That's where chapters came from. Yeah. 
was they would be published in like weekly newspapers and things like that. Um, and they were just bought by common men on the street oftentimes. And they would be instead of, instead of modern forms of entertainment, uh, like YouTube, right. uh, they would go to the, they would go to the stand on the corner and buy, um, the latest installment in this unfolding story. Um, so it was, it was a great way for just people to find light entertainment, but also was often very educated, educating to, uh, the common people. Um, and the level, the level of things that people used to read, ordinary people used to read is like, you know, college level Level. these days. Back then it was just, it was just what people read. Um, so, uh, I find it fascinating that, you know, what literature isn't, great literature isn't just for the elite. It really is for everyone. Yeah, I like what you said. And you got me thinking about in Les Miserables is that I used to, the first time I read one of those books, I read The Count of Monte Cristo um, by Dumas. Yes. And it was like that. It's like 800 and some pages. And um, and I, uh, you know, I ate it up. And there, there were periods, right, because they got paid often for the length and stuff like that. So there are areas that, like in Les Miserables, I know that they talk, like a whole chapter on the sewer system in, in France yes, right, and stuff. Right, right. And so, um, <clears throat> but what's so fun is that I've got a close friend, uh, you know, listener to the episodes and stuff. And he, um, I remember, it must have been in high school or, or just beyond, that he picked up The Count of Monte Cristo and he thought he had read the whole thing, but he had read the abridged version, yes. which was like 450 pages. Like yes. the abridged version was a huge book, you know? And um, and that's been a funny uh, running joke between us is, you know, do, do we get the abridged version? Well, if it's 400 pages, yeah, yeah, let's right. do that. And, um, and so... Uh, it is. It's it's real um, fun history. So I do. I think there's a joy involved in collecting books and owning books. But something I guess I'll just ask you, Sam, is why physical books versus say Kindle books? And I know you and I both have both. But um, but what what are some of the benefits of of just owning that that physical book? Would you say? Yeah, and it it, it can be kind of. Uh unwieldy at times taking up space i mean having a big library is nice except for when you have to move them (laughs) um it's very irritating but uh but no the physical books um there's several reasons yeah first of all they've done research studies on this and on um kindle books you don't remember the content as well Mm -hmm. there's something about the the medium that makes it not impress itself on on your memory quite as well Uh, so that's that's a problem. Um, you want to retain what you read, and I don't know why it is exactly scientifically, but they do say that a physical book, you remember what you read more effectively. Second, you don't actually own the books that are on your Kindle, even though you're paying for them. Um, I've heard horror stories of people who you know collected a decent library on their Kindle, and then all of a sudden they went, got on their device one day, and Amazon had decided to purge the books wow. in their library, and they were just taken off their Kindle. So really, they're kind of just loaning them to you in a digital format. Huh. Whereas a book, someone would literally have to break into your house and like take it off your shelf for it to be taken from you. So that's another just practical consideration. Like Books are much more permanent. They're going to be around a lot longer. And then the third reason I would say is, to me, collecting a library isn't just about you. It's about posterity, too. I can hand my library down to my kids someday, and they can build on it and enhance it even more. But a Kindle book 
isn't the same. A Kindle's going to go obsolete at some point. You know, what's going to happen to those books is anybody's guess. Yeah. Um, but a, a physical book, it, it can be handed down. Um, and then lastly, I would say I have not, I mean, most of my books aren't this way, but I do have some books that are just real treasures. Either yeah. they're antiques or they were a gift and they have a beautiful inscription inside um, or they're just a physically beautiful book, you know, gilded pages yeah. or, you know, kind of um, artistically laid out letters or things like that. You can't get that same experience in a, in, a, in a Kindle. So to me, those are some of the few advantages of having actual physical books. You can pass them on. They're actually yours. They're a lot yeah. more permanent. And they can just be plain beautiful. I love that. Um, I think another thing with physical books that... Uh, uh, that I like to connect myself with is that by taking up that spatial relationship in your life, they beckon you, yes. right? So when you have books that are on display, you you are are almost called to pick them up, yes. right? And that and actually everything in your life calls to you. And we're going to have another episode on on living simply, but but in a very beautiful way with books. The idea is that I could binge watch on YouTube or Netflix or, you know, do something less meaningful or purposeful or intentional in our lives. Or I could pick up one of these books that that can help me grow in knowledge and wisdom. And by them merely being there, it helps. And in fact, when I started getting into um, requiring myself to, to read more, uh, making time to read more, I purposely would set out like 30 books and I would have them visually prominent in my life. Yes. Because every single day, five times a day, I would see those books and I'd be like, yep, that's the resolution that I made. So I would like to go get those yes. books, right? And I don't think that that should be um, uh, under understated because it is so helpful. There's also the fact, I liked what you said about posterity and that actually got me into the thought of, of present day evangelization, right? That there is something with physical books that speak of you. Because when you think about a Kindle or something along those lines, I mean, I liken it to the pictures that are on our phone. Like yes. we'll take thousands of pictures on our phone that we probably will never look at again yes, in our right. lives or never have time to look through all of them, yes. right? And instead of living in the moment, we're trying to capture every moment. And and the same thing goes with Kindle books is that you start amassing a library of hundreds of Kindle books, um, never mind the fact that you don't fully own them, but you're going to forget what's there um, versus having those physical books in front of you that you can connect with and that you can visually see yeah. and other people see too. And so back to that that other people can see them. And how many times have we set up a collection of books in our house, my wife and I, and people come through and it's it's like a magnet. Yes. People go over there, right? And they just start looking at the book titles that yes. you have, right? Which also means get rid of junk books, you know, in your collection as well, yeah. because, you know, you don't want to be identified. Now, having those conversations, but like you said, <clears throat> getting rid of, um, you know, some of the, the Protestant books or things like that, you know, and, and, and amassing, it, there's, there's truth to that, right? Yeah. We grow and evolve in our lives and our, in our bookshelf and our book mm -hmm. collection can do the same. So. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're so true. It's so, so true what you're saying, because there's been times that sometimes on a Sunday afternoon, I'll just go in my, my library room and just look at my books and I'll find one. And I'll, oh, I forgot I had that. And then I pull it off and I'll flip through it and I'll take a nugget away from that. And, um, you know, there's books on my Kindle I completely forgot about. Like I have no idea 
that I even have them because you have to scroll through pages and pages to see them even. So anyway, it is absolutely a joy to have a... Now, not everyone has to have as big a, a library right. as me, and there's people with bigger libraries than me. Not everyone has to do that. But look, you know, start picking out some that are really worth having, some real classics. Yeah. Or, or, you know, uh, doesn't have to be, you know, junk... Uh, pulp fiction novels um, that are 50 cents each or so. Not that kind of book, but I'm saying like real books of substance. It's good for people to have a few of those on their shelf. Agreed. So going back to calling the hearts of men, I like to talk about how we get to uphold this tradition within the Catholic Church and how beautiful that is, right? We are the protectors and the perpetuators of knowledge and wisdom by our collections, by the posterity that we can pass on to our children and mm -hmm. things like that. And, and the fact that we get to unite ourselves to the history within this church, this very rich and beautiful history, often filled with like battles and, and, and everything like that. And I'm not talking about the pages of books. I'm literally talking about the, the saving of books, you know, in, in that time period is we can uphold that tradition and we can carry that, that standard. And we do, we have an obligation and that calls to, to, to our hearts and in something that we get to um, carry on, which I think is just a beautiful thing. And it yeah. fills me with, uh, with a lot of joy and purpose when it comes to collecting books. Yeah, absolutely. Now, a lot of people might be listening to this and thinking, I want to get started. I want to start yeah. building my library, but I don't really know how to go about that. Yeah. Um, so maybe we could talk a little bit about you know, what to look for and what kind of books to collect. Yeah, I think that's a great thing. And uh, we could talk on this for, for quite a while. Um, I do think that there are a lot of ways that we can start collecting books. And maybe we should come out with an episode on like books every Catholic man should own, right? Yes, and we come yeah. up with a list of of our you know top hundred books or something like that maybe that's a blog post but um, but there are different ways that we can start collecting books and one of the ways that um, I honestly and we'll start here there's there's maybe better ways but one of the ways the fun ways that I've found in collecting books is the footnotes of sections and so I will um, fall in love with the book right it used it happened for me when I was in college and getting into arguments with people. Uh, on the Catholic faith. So I went to a college that had a lot of reformed Calvinists at the, um, at the, at the school. And they would attack me for the Eucharist and for confession and things like that. So I started getting into apologetics. And every once in a while, I'd come across like a, um, like a Patrick Madrid book or, um, you know, even um, a Frank Sheed or something like that. You know, I would come across one of these books and I'd be like, this is amazing. Like, I, I want to be able to think like this. Yeah. And so what I started doing is I would go through the footnotes or I would go through the, um, the bibliography section in the back and I would start looking at the books that they read or attributed to this book and I would start creating collections like that. Yes. And I would have it in my mind, right? So I wasn't um, uh, financially you know, well off so that I could just go and buy all 10 of these books. So what I would do is I would have them on my mind and I would buy one book. And then the next time I would go, you know, kind of with this attitude of saving um, books from, from half price books and stuff like that, is I would go to these sections and I would, I would, I, my sisters 
God bless them, they are fully aware of how I would do this, is I would walk into Heffrey's books, I would beeline to the religion section, and they had like the little Catholic bookshelf, and I would just go like this and yes. look for look for those books and see if I could find any. I ended up getting about 20, 30 books over the course of a few years um, that became a part of my collection. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a, a great approach. I mean, for me personally, it's, yeah, just taking note of those significant names. Yeah. Um, and kind of building a little mental catalog because you never know what you're going to come across at a book store, um, you know, used bookstore or, you know, Barnes and Noble or Half Price Books or one of these places. Um, stuff just kind of is there yeah. and you have to know what's important and what isn't. And so building a little mental library of names that you're keeping an eye out for. So, uh, like you, and there's been times when I've gone to a used bookstore and I'll see a book and the author's name looks so familiar and I can't place where, but I'm like, I'm just going to get that book because that author's name sounds familiar. Yeah. Then I get home and I like look it up and I'm like, oh, that's why. Oh. Yeah, I'm so glad I got that. And um, there's been some too where I bought a book because it had a familiar sounding author. And then later I'll be reading another book. You know, come across that name again. Yeah. Oh, wait, I have that book because I collect, you know, and so it's just kind of a, a funny way of doing it. But but it is familiarizing yourself with, you know, if you're looking for Catholic books, the great figures in Catholic literature is no brainer. I mean, yeah. I just was at the used bookstore in Tulsa and found um, a book on St. Teresa of Avila. Um, it was one of her books in a new translation. Oh, sure. Well, I saw it because. I was looking for it, so to speak. You see what you're looking for when you're presented with thousands of choices. You see what you're looking for. Your mind kind of filters for what sounds familiar, what looks familiar. So build your kind of mental catalog, and that'll help you filter through. Um, and you'll never know what you might come across at a bookstore. So Yeah, absolutely. Other ways that we can develop uh, collections is a simple way is by our authors, right? And you kind of were talking about that, but maybe we fall in love with Frank Sheed, and I use him because he just popped in my mind. And so I want to collect every book on this author, or maybe it's Tolkien, right? Yes. Um, maybe it's C.S. Lewis. Maybe we fall in love with one of these authors. We read one of the books. You read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, or you read The Hobbit, or you probably didn't read The Samarillion first and then think, oh, I love Tolkien. And if you did, you don't need this episode. Um, and it's a great book. But we can find these authors, and then we can just start collecting those authors. And you can literally look at how many books they read. Like uh, Dickens is a great example, right? So I had to read Great Expectations. I kind of thought it was okay. And then I read Tale of Two Cities, and I kind of had to struggle with it. And then I read A Christmas Carol, and I really enjoyed that. And then I read David Copperfield, and it became one of my favorite books. You know, And David Copperfield is by far the largest book out of all of them. But but it, I just fell in love with it. And then I wanted to read everything Dickens, right? So um, <clears throat> that goes a little bit into the psychology of reading, but I'd say collecting these authors um, can be a great way of starting your collection. Yeah, exactly. And, and of course, most people, even if they're not a big book of aficionado, recognizes a lot of the, the great names in world literature. And if you don't, familiarize yourself with them. Yeah. But pick up some of their books uh, if you see them. Uh, Barnes & Noble has like a super cheap um, collection of some of the great 
great books of world literature in very affordable editions. Yeah. So you can pick some up that way. Um, Costco also has has regularly has great classics and pretty nice, you know, gild, gilded page books for fifteen bucks or something like that. Um, but another way of approaching it is a kind of a topical collection. Mm. So of course, you and I uh, love theology and things like that, yeah. but not but it may not be everybody's thing. Uh, maybe you're into sailing yeah. or, you know, history or cooking or military history or things like that. Go to a used bookstore, find one in your area. There's almost certainly, unless you live in the absolute middle of nowhere, yeah. there's almost certainly a used bookstore in your area. So look it up, go, and then just find your topic. And there's almost certainly going to be a fascinating book on your topic of choice. And just start collect building a little collection. Um so that, that, a topical collection can be a, a, a fun way of doing it as well. Yeah, and actually something you said just kind of inspired me. You started talking about history, and biographies can fit into yes. that too. Yeah. So, you know, I um, this year have planned on reading a biography on Benjamin Franklin and on uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Yes. And uh, they're two men that I admired, and I'd love to read either a biography or an autobiography of them, you know? And I think that's um, a great place to start too, is maybe this year you're going to collect, you know, 10 biographies. Again, of course, you have to enjoy reading biographies. But if that's you, it's a great way of getting started um, and something we didn't even prepare. But as you were talking about history, that just uh, is, is an excellent thing. Yeah. So I think what we're talking about here, though, is expanding your mind. Like yeah. we have, we're drowning in information in, mm-hmm. the, in the 21st century. And sometimes it's almost paralyzing. There's just so much out there. But really, I think we're all talking about being gentlemen and striving to cultivate our minds, expand our minds. And all great men through history, read about any of them, they all did this. They were always learning throughout their entire life. Yeah. Remember, we were kind of talking before the show about like General George Patton. Yeah. Amazing like military tactician, extremely um, brilliant soldier. But he also read widely. He read vast amount of different kinds of books. And honestly, it probably made him a better soldier, just learning about different fields. So, like, you know, we've all met people who are just fixated on one topic. Yep. And and it it, it kind of gets boring after a while. Like, okay, just that's nice. I'm glad you're interested in that. Expand your mind a little bit. Like, maybe read about something else. I mean, for some people, it's sports, or or some people, it's even theology. That's the only thing they know. Yeah. Like, there are other dimensions of life, and I think the world is an incredible, fascinating place. God made an amazing world. Keep your curiosity open. Cultivate that. Seek out other topics of interest, even if you have to wrestle with it, even if it's a little bit of a struggle. Yeah. We grow through struggle, right? That's right. So maybe read a book that's a little challenging. And I read War and Peace, and I'm not going to lie, it took me like a year and a half to get through it. I've heard this, yes. And it was it was tough going at points. I mean, it was a long book. But I'm glad I read it, and I feel like I enriched my life having read that book. Yeah. And I can think of other examples like that. So just because it's hard doesn't mean you should quit. Like, yeah. Stick with it a little bit. Even if it's not your your favorite thing, it's still helping you grow and still enriching your mind and and expanding it. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, um, you know, kind of going to this, um, how did you say it, Sam, the shoulders of giants, but what what did you say about, you know, kind of reading what they read or or living what they... Oh, yeah. If you ever ever want to understand a great man, look to his masters. Yeah, look to his masters. Exactly. Thank you. And, 
And, and that's exactly it, is that's an, another way, and, and it's, it's kind of an honor to be able to, to do that and to collect these and to involve ourselves with these. And I really liked what you were saying because we are called to be Renaissance men in a way, right? That's the term we use today, but it's, it's a well-rounded man. It's, it's somebody that can have conversations with a, a wide um, uh, swath of individuals, you know, and their interests. And I mean, you can think of guys like that. I know I can think of one a professor that I had named Dennis Turner, where I um, was walking up with a friend of mine who is a classical guitar major, um, really amazing um, guitarist. And I introduced him to this theology professor there. And he found out he was a classical guitarist. And this theology professor was able to just carry on a conversation about classical guitar. Yes. And I remember yes. just being blown away. And I was like, he, he knew more about classical guitar than I did. And I was a music major. Yes. And I was just like, wow, this is incredible. And, um, and so, but it didn't, he didn't have that ability from childhood, right? It's something that, that he worked on, he cultivated, he, um, he understood the worth and the value of it. And now he's, he is a, a guy that people like to have conversations with because, exactly. you know, he has expanded and broadened his horizon. So um, we really encourage people to do that. And it's a lifelong journey. I mean, uh, I have a personal motto, never stop learning. Like, yeah. just never quit. Like, you should be a lot. When I'm 85, I still want to be learning, you yeah. know, because there's always more to learn. Uh, so That's right. And maybe you set a goal for yourself. Uh, this year, you're going to read five classics, right? And if you don't know what the classics are, Google, right? If you, um, Mortimer Adler is right, his, his um, great books. Um, you can take a look at those and just don't plan on reading them all, right? We can't read it. Um, some people can, but unless your job allows 100 books in a year or something. But then just pick like five, you know, five that look interesting to you, that, that you would like to. And then... Um, uh, I like what you said, but uh, work with the struggle, right? Yeah. Of, of of requiring that. Find time throughout your day that you can you can pick it up and you can just read five pages, ten pages, and yeah. you're really going to grow in that knowledge. And it's going to be, um, again, a worthwhile pursuit throughout your life and mm -hmm. something that you can connect with the history and tradition of the church. Yes. So. Yeah. Amen. Awesome. Well, I think we're rounding it out here, and it's time for our nightcap. That's and, right. Yeah. So one thing that we uh, think makes a great addition to any library is a globe. Right. Um, they are just cool. All right. You know, we, we all remember growing up with them in uh, our classrooms or maybe we saw one in the public library. But um, you look at a lot of pictures online of beautiful libraries. They often have like a standing globe or like some other kind of globe. And it really is just kind of cool to spin it and look at it and uh, they're kind of fun. We we kind of they don't they've kind of uh, faded away into obscurity now that we all have digital devices right. and can look up Google directions easily. And, but yeah. but there's still something compelling about a globe. Yeah, there really is, and it is. I was talking. There's like a certain mysticism for my youth, right? With globes, and you'd get you'd go to school and you'd have those long um, uh, maps that you know pulled down, right? And they were just you know so flat. But there's yeah. something about the globe where you could really see throughout it and. And yeah, we, we really encourage our, our listeners to, um, to invest in a globe and, and mm -hmm. to, you know, uh, it's, it's something to, to be admired and um, to have, That's right. have a station. So. It's been a great episode. Yeah. And as we end every episode. Be a man, be a saint. <laughs>